Great chiropractors and physical therapists are under constant pressure of declining insurance reimbursements and long hours. But did you know there's a way to double your profit without working more? By building a gym onto your practice, you can earn more income, stabilize your business, and be a hero to your family, patients, and team. It's a big undertaking with a huge reward. Dr. Josh Satterley has done it, changed his life, and now wants to help you do the same. Welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Everybody, I'm with Anthony Renna, who is many things to many people, but the reason I wanted you on is you have been hosting a podcast, a YouTube channel, uh, various social media platforms all around the idea of fitness facilities, right? Yeah, Strength Coach TV is where I kind of go in and we visit with a, uh, a gym owner or manager. So we go in, we talk to them a little bit about the, the boring stuff like, you know, square footage, et cetera, how long they've been there, demographics. And then we take a tour and then we sit down and we have a little business chat. And ideally it's for somebody who is kind of looking to own a business or even when, you know, the idea came for me when Mike Boyle was like, listen, one of the mistakes I made was not visiting enough gyms. And I'm like, yeah, it's easy for you to say now, but you know, I'm not going to go out to Vegas to see Josh unless I'm in Vegas. Right. right. So, but when I was in Vegas, I said, why don't I film for people and kind of talk to people like so people can kind of get a, a glimpse into Josh's facility and get to see it without actually going to have to make, you know, spend all that money to go there. So that's how it's right. Like. Especially when you're young, young trainer, young clinician, you don't have the money and or the time right. to f- travel and visit 20 facilities, right? You can go to the three local uh, gyms around you, but that's about all you can do, right? Exactly. You want the most well-rounded picture of what's going on. And that's what, again, what Strength Coach TV was about. Fantastic. So that's Strength Coach TV and we'll plug it early. Where can people find that if they are already like, oh man, I got to see this stuff. Um, they could, you know, strengthcoachtv.com. Well, that'll take you to, it's the page. My, my new site is called continue and that's at continuefit.com. But that's where I have all my podcasts and Strength Coach TV and a couple of other resources. Fantastic. Now, uh, for those people who are like, oh man, I need to do this. How many facilities have you visited and filmed? I know you've been to a lot of other facilities, but how many have you actually put on film and had that talk with the owner? Uh, 46. Holy smokes. And for, to give everybody a picture, we're not talking big box, 24 hour fitness Equinox, right? We're talking like the local gym owner that owns one, maybe two of these smaller gyms. Are we correct there? Yes, we've had from Mike Boyle and Eric Cressy, some of the bigger facilities, right, to uh, Chris Cooper at Amp Training, which is 2,000 square feet, does like mostly personal training, or uh, our friend Jim Alberry, who has functional performance in Long Island, like who's a physical therapist as well, to Frank Nash, you know. Yeah, hold on, hold on, for the record. Don't throw around the, the term friend and Jim Alberry too. too <laughs> loose. All right. But Frank's well, a good guy. Last yeah. time I talked to you, we were all together, the three of us. Yeah, yeah. but I didn't want, that was mainly to make Jim feel good about himself. I didn't want That's to say true. he was a friend of us. Yeah. <laughs> but go on. Who else have you seen? Oh, wow. Um, Mike Ranfone and uh, Alan Cosgrove and Rachel Cosgrove. Uh, we've gone to some college facilities just so people can see how they set it up, like BU and College of the Canyons with Coach Dose. Uh, uh, recently, we're down at um, at uh, Battleground Academy in Nashville. We're at Drew, Drew, Drew Macy's place in, in Nashville called uh, Game Time Performance. Uh, so we, we've kind of run the gamut on all kinds of different facilities as well. Wow. That's what a resource you are, man. I'm super excited to have you on here. So uh, I want to ask you a couple of questions, if that'd be all right, sure. about uh, some of the specifics that you see. Uh, first off, 
let's just talk square footage. I mean, super boring, but where do you see maybe a couple sweet spots that a lot of these facilities fall into? You know, is there like a breakover point at say 1500 square feet and again at 4,000 square feet or what do you see out there? Yeah, I mean, I think Thomas Plummer was always talking about starting, I think, you know, a couple of years ago, always, you know, the number was like right around 3000 square feet. And, you know, again, it depends because you got, we got these people like, like I said, Chris Cooper at AMP in, in Massapequa Park in Long Island, you know, he, he has a lot less than that. He has 2000, right? And that, that thousand square feet is huge. Uh, Jim Albury, he has a, a lot less than that. I forget what Jim had. Jim probably has about 2000. Um, so, you know, depending we're, we're on, talking to Jason Glass and a, we're talking to Jason Glass in a couple of days and that guy is literally a bay in a, in a golf teaching facility. I mean, like a 20 by 20 space, you know? Yeah. See, you know, I mean, so again, it depends on where you want to go with this, but like somebody like Cressy or Boyle, obviously anywhere from, you know, 15 to 20,000 square feet. I mean, for them, for the amount of people, for the exposure that they have, obviously they need that, but it looks like, you know, three to five, if you're working with athletes, uh, who need to run, you probably need a little bit more. You probably need a four and five number. But, um, uh, you know, again, that just depends on what you're looking to do, what your program looks like. Very cool. And uh, and on the smaller side, do you think there's a sweet spot there? You know, a thousand, a thousand square feet to me, the problem is you give up a big percentage of floor space for equipment and bodies, right? But as you get bigger, that kind of gets um, – kind of gets watered down and how much floor space you have to give up for just your dumbbell rack and your kettlebell rack. Um, where would you say the lowest level that you see really effective is? I think that number like 3000 is, is a good number. And here's partially why I think, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, you always have to ask the basics about, you know, who is your clientele, but like, what do you want people to feel when they walk in? So if we do take Mike Boyle, Mike Boyle doesn't really want parents hanging around, right? So he has, he didn't make a huge area. Mike Boyle has so much square feet. We could put 12 more gyms in there, like according to the way, you know, like as many as square footage as he has. But the problem is he doesn't want parents hanging around. So he didn't make a comfortable area. That's Mike's decision. You go to Eric Cressy's, they have this beautiful lounge uh, with, you know, ESPN's playing this beautiful couch and, you know, shirts up on the wall. They want you to get a certain feeling when you walk in. Go back to Jim Alberry. You know, he has these nice couches. He wants people when you walk in, he wants people to sit down and, you know, feel comfortable when he does his interviews with them. So you have to say to yourself, what do I want people how do I want people to think? How do I want them to feel when I walk in? So if you're a physical therapy clinic, you know, you really don't want this area. Right when I walk in, I, I, I got balls flying by me. I got, you know, kids running around, like flying around up again. So you have to think about who your people are and what do you want them to feel? So I think the 3,000 square foot allows you to kind of have a little space to kind of ease people into it, depending on what you're going to do for, you know, are you having closed rooms? Are you going to have some area where they're going to put some stuff away? So you got to start to feel like, what is it that you want them to feel when they walk in? Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. And it's got to really match with what you believe in and you believe in, right? And as far as your training and your methodology for getting people better. So what are some, some of the cooler things you saw in visiting 43 different places that really fit in with what the person believes? Is there anything that really sticks out that you're like, man, that person is on point? 
Yeah, I mean, again, uh, you know, they're only on point if they're in, you know, if they're aligned with how they're, they're what they're thinking, right? So um, that's really where when you start to get to know them, oh, okay, I see why they did that. Like, if you walked into Boyles, you'd be like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, you can't even sit down. What's going on? But he did it on purpose. So I think, you know, a uh, place like, uh, and if you go to shrinkcoachtv.com and you see some of these places that I can mention, like Pure Performance and Need a Mass, they had a nice, they have a nice area like over to the left where you can hang out. Um, you know, a nice couch if you're a parent. Uh, um, EHP in Danbury, Connecticut, like they have some nice couches. They have an area because they sell a lot of, uh, you know, nutritional stuff. So you can kind of go in there and browse around without having, you know, like I said, a med ball flying by your head. Um, Frank Nash, he did a great job of, he specifically, and he talks about it, he specifically had some special uh, um, area where, look, it's tinted so you can stay they he can see into the gym but you the gym goers can't see who's coming in right like kind of like a mirror effect and you know when the door shuts you can't hear the loud music i mean you can still hear it but it's not so like bam 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 where that's another like what's the feeling that you want so when you walk into frank nash's place Right there is the, you know, the, the, the customer service desk and they have all the, some t-shirts and all the um, uh, supplements, et cetera. And they have an area where you can put all your stuff and it's enclosed. So you're not hearing this cranking music. So I think, you know, I like that the way Frank thought of that. I like the way Jim thought of when he did it. I like the way Mike Boyle does it because he's saying, Hey, look, you know what? I don't want people hanging around. Same thing with Cressy. It's beautiful. When you walk in there, he's got a lot of people that are a lot of high-end clients. He wants a certain atmosphere. So again, going back to, let's think about, I love what TJ uh, Lopez did at uh, another AMP um, in Long Island. Uh, you know, he, he's got uh, AMP physical, AMP performance as well. Um, just the AMP stands for something else, but he's got this beautiful area. Like it looks like a coffee bar. And uh, if you guys could see that one, when you go to, to Strength Coach TV, um, Again, he wanted this kind of cool, um, when you walk in and that's where the kids can hang out, they do some of their recovery there. He has a couple of those chairs and um, that's where they can get all their nutrition, their uh, post-workout supplements. Uh, there is coffee there too. So, you know, there's an area for them to kind of feel comfortable and hang out. Very nice. So you've seen, you know, facilities, all the spectrum. I love when you were listing off where you've been because you talked about places like, uh, in, you know, Boston University's strength uh, strength room, or I can't remember what you said. And then you said uh, College of the Canyons with Coach Dose, which is those two could not, I don't think you could find two gyms further apart, right? One's in Southern California and the other one's in New England. Like you've, so you've literally traveled coast to coast to see these. When you look at those higher end gyms, so we're talking about somebody that's going to add a gym onto your clinic. So we're already going with a little bit higher dollar one. What are some commonalities you see in maybe the build out or features. So, you know, for example, I know that in my experience, clients really love a med ball wall. I mean, just throwing a ball against a wall, there's something refreshing about it, whether you're frustrated uh, with your accountant and you're 57 years old or you're 12 years old and you just want to, you know, have fun. That's one thing that I just think, man, install Make sure you have a wall to throw stuff against because so many people want to use it, right? Any other, any other facility design features you think are consistently positive uh, to that, that gym goer? You know, I think um, 
when you would kind of sent me this and you were kind of, you know, kind of gave me the theme for what we were talking about. I was kind of thinking about some of the things that the best people do. And number one, it's all about logistics. So what I think what people forget to do is look at their own program. So like you said, with the med ball, now I agree of course, with you, but somebody might not use the med ball a lot to throw against the wall, right? And, and sometimes it's hard to do that. But for me, my facility was called Five Iron Fitness. And one of the unique selling points that I wanted to say was, look, we have a wall. You can, we're going to throw, throw the ball against this wall because it's an important part of the program. You're not going to be able to do this in your big box gym. You're certainly not going to be able to do it in your garage because your wife's going to kill you. And so um, this is the place. This is one of our unique selling points. So I looked at my program and said, this is something that was important to me when I was talking to my landlord. So I think the best people look at logistics. So for example, and, and you're, so you got to start with your program. My program was, we started on the ground in the mats first. Then we got up and did some like Gary Gray type 3D motion, you know, movement patterns. Then we went in the hall and did some locomotion. Well, if I had, and I did in the beginning, I had them doing the standing part across the hall in another room that I had. And then they had to cross the locomotion part and to come back to go do something else. And then they were going out. So people, it was like, a bad traffic uh, corner, you know, and you, I, you know, so I fixed that where, okay, this is where they're going to be first. This is where they're going to be second. This is where they're going to be third. This is where, so they're following a path. I know it sounds basic, but too many times people just say, cool, I'm going to put the squat rack over here and cool because it fits over here. It looks good. I want people to see it when they walk in, whatever, but you have to look at your program. So the best places that I've seen follow that. Like, for example, another thing would be um, your front door. Maybe you put, you know, I wanted people to feel comfortable when they walked in. I was working with golfers who are usually a little bit older, who most likely never worked out, who didn't want to go to a big box gym. So I need to make my place really comfortable when you walked in. You don't want to be walking by some guys working out first to get to the locker room. So I had everything in the front that way. So you kind of ease your way into it. You have to look at how people are going to move through your facility. And that's what the best people do. Yeah. I, you know, along those lines, I, I've made a thousand mistakes in facility design in my own place. But what, one of them that was just cracking me up when you're talking about that story was we had our foam rollers stored on a rack that was on one side of the gym. And then we did all our foam rolling warm up and, you know, all that kind of stationary uh, basic level warm-up stuff with mini bands and whatnot in another area. And so people would walk in, they'd go grab a foam roller, then they'd cut across the entire gym, you know, in and out of people swinging kettlebells and dumbbells and, you know, working with different weights and whatnot, medicine balls, all the way to our, our area. They would do their foam roller and foam rolling. And then at the end of that, we sent them back to put their foam roller back on the rack. And at one point, somebody stopped me and go, why don't we just put the rack over here? And I was like, stared at him blinked three times like a, you know, dog and I go, huh, that'd make a ton of sense. So we end up installing a foam roller rack, like right where we do foam rolling and just simple things like that. That just helped open up the gym because we didn't have 12 people going across and into a class of another 12 at different times in their workout. So hundred percent agree, Anthony. So uh, along, along those lines, uh, let's talk about flow because I, I think there's one person that really stuck out when I was watching on, uh, on strength coach TV is Alan Cosgrove kind of designing that kind of, and, and he's a master of business systems, right? But designing that kind of U shape or 
I don't know what you would call it, that, that stationary flow. Yeah. Was that, was that impressive to you when you first saw that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I am coming like my partner, Mike Boyle is the master of logistics. So when I saw Alan do it, it was kind of already, you know, I've already kind of had that brain, you know, that thought in my head. Um, but yes, it, the way Alan did, it's impressive because also that first part of it, you don't need a coach because they had three TVs running the, uh, running the warmups. Right. I love that about it. It was like, kind of like, cool, here it goes. They're easing into it. They're doing their stretching. They're doing their warm up over here. So yes, it, the way he, and I like the U, the, the, that idea about the U shaped. Uh, yes. To give some of our listeners perspective here, if you haven't seen the, the video, imagine you had a big square, a huge square facility. Instead of putting the, the offices in a corner, what Alan essentially did was put them in the center. And so all of the workouts happen around the walls of the office, right? So you would end up with like a U shape, uh, a squared off U shape. And so it would start out on like, say the left hand foam rolling, then it would move to the left side up, you know, into the corner and then it would move to the right and then over to the right and then back down and they start and finish at the same place, but there's nobody, there's no salmon swimming upstream in his facility. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what you got. And you know, sometimes it takes time. You're not, you're never going to be satisfied with the way you set it up, but you have to just, you know, especially whether you're a physical therapist, like, okay, where are the tables? Are they in, are they in a separate room or, or you have the open floor plan type thing? What's the first thing that you'd normally have your patients do when they get off the table? So maybe that's what should be the first thing right next to you. So yeah, you got to think of the things that you do with your people. Yeah. And, uh, so what trends are you seeing, you know, moving away from the, the, the square footage and whatnot, but what trends are you seeing with all these people you've spoken to? I mean, you've probably been around more gym owners uh, than almost anybody else. I mean, you know, I was discussing with Rick Mayo that Tom Plummer was, uh, he was a personal trainer. I didn't know this. Rick told me he was uh, actually Moses' uh, personal trainer back in the day. So he's been <laughs> in the facility for, I mean, in the industry for a long time. So obviously he's got a lot of exposure, but what have you seen as trends that are facing the, the small gym fitness industry right now? Um, I think people are doing a much better job of creating open space. And um, it's obviously been a trend for a while, this idea about functional training. But, um, you know, and even talking to Chris Parrier, which was a great episode of Strength Coach TV um, that we did, we went up to perform better's uh, facility and Chris Parrier, obviously they, they do a lot of designing gyms. And, you know, one of the things that he talked about too was in the past that they've seen as mistakes is people not accounting for that open space. Cause it's always what happens. You buy a few, you buy too much and then you're like, man, you know, I need some people to run or I need them to stand up or I need a little room for them to kind of, you know, do a couple jumps or something like that. So, um, you know, I think I've, I've seen, uh, people doing a much better job of creating the open space um, and understanding and, you know, and doing what we just said, like looking at their program. Uh, so the, that seems to be something that people have gotten uh, to, and, you know, like using space really well. Uh, that's another, like, um, that's, that might not be a trend, but people have been, seem to be doing that. We, we've come up with more ways to, um, to kind of uh, help the gym owner uh, find a way to kind of where to put, like I've seen sleds hung up, right? If you go to uh, amp, the AMP episode or uh, the, uh, 
Macy, uh, Massey and Machado, Machado uh, episode, uh, they are, they both do an amazing uh, job of figuring out uh, uh, how to use a small amount of space. And that's important. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're paying for that space, uh, you know, 365 days a year. So you should use every square inch of it and getting things off the ground. That's one of the reasons I love, uh, you know, we had a bunch of rowers in our facility. And I love the fact that they store vertically because they end up taking about, you know, four square feet when they're stored upright. Uh, They're a little bit long when you bring them down, but they're a perfect storage piece. And for those of you uh, who have, you know, do a lot of barbell work, storing those vertically can open up a lot of floor space as well. Yeah. Storage is one of those things. I don't know if you've seen this, but man, we totally underestimated how much storage we would need for equipment um, and, and just, you know, cleaning supplies and all that. But that's one thing I always tell people, make your bathroom smaller, your reception area smaller and your storage bigger. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of businesses too forget about your downtime. I mean, you don't want to get caught in a facility of, of not having a place for like, seriously, when you might want to take a nap or if, you know, because like, let's say somebody's got an eight o'clock and a 10 o'clock, what are they doing between nine and 10? Um, maybe they want a little quiet time, you know, so that can be an important piece too, in terms of just peace of mind and under, you know, obviously you're not making money on that, but to, to have that type of stuff too. So like you said, storage space, totally underrated. Uh, people need to know that they, you know, you have to store your vacuum and your mops and your extra uh, fluorescent light bulbs and your boxes paper of towels. paper towels. Yeah. 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 It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because for a long time we had a, uh, we had about three uh, trainers and we never really had an area for them to go. So as soon as they were done with clients, they'd have to take off and go to a local coffee shop or something to do some work. And finally, I was like, oh, man, we have this office over here that, you know, it was a general manager's office. So I decided to put desks in there for them. So we just put in very simple, essentially, I don't know how you say it, nice wooden tables. I mean, they weren't anything special and gave them each about four feet or three or four feet to work in. And and at first, the general manager was upset because she was felt like her office was being violated. Oh, I can't believe it, you know, got rearranged. You're taking this from me. And then fast forward a month and you know, she loved the conversations that were going on in there and the planning and the, you know, scheming about things because you have that sense of, hey, we're, you know, we're together here and we get to talk about things. So that addition was so much more than just giving them a space to relax or eat or it was, it created that camaraderie as well. So I'd highly recommend when, when people design their facility, have a place where you can have that kind of, you know, those, those conversations, you don't want your clients to hear, obviously, but having a space where you can kind of talk with your coworkers and put together some new programs and whatnot. Have you seen yeah. that as a, go ahead. Yeah. And that's the thing too. You're a hundred percent right. It's, it's the intangibles because what's going to happen is now I don't have to go down to the coffee shop and um, now I'm kind of getting burnt out over time. It's like, where can I go? I don't have a place to relax. I don't have, and it makes me happier as an employee. And that's what you want. You want people to have a, an environment where they can grow and they don't have to spend 10 minutes walking over, spend a little extra cash. They could just come in, they have a place to have some coffee or whatever. And now they're much more relaxed and they're better with clients. So yeah, I, I, I've seen a few people do that now. More people are um, are starting to do that within the gym. Obviously, you need the square footage, but even um, you know, once you get up into that 
3,000 to 4,000 square foot uh, space. You could start to think about those type of things. Yeah, it's, it's uh, necessary. And you just want to, and you want them to be able to get away from clients and, and have a very neat and orderly gym. And if the uh, trainer is, you know, doing program design on the floor, in a pile of papers using a bench as a desk, then it just, it just detracts from what you, what it appears, you know? Yeah. And there's all, they got their bags and everything. It just doesn't look good, you know, and people, yeah. it doesn't look professional. That's right. And I think that's one thing, you know, when we talk about trends, I think in the last five years, heck, since I met you, Anthony, really the idea of a professional trainer and what that means has certainly elevated. I mean, it's been out there for a long time, but having professional trainers, you know, I'm working with chiropractors and physical therapists and I'm trying to convince them. Like, I I think that for the most part, these well-trained, you know, movement specialists that, that a lot of trainers are working to be now is the most undervalued thing in all of healthcare. If you can get a team of those people, it's unbelievable how much they can get done for you at, at a fraction of the cost of having another PT or another chiropractor there. You know, have you, have you noticed that the, I don't know, the, the game has elevated for a lot of trainers out there? Yeah, I, I have. And I think, you know, we do live in a bubble, Josh, too. Like we go to these conferences and we're seeing like, you know, well, we were together in October at the TPI conference. We're seeing the best of the best. We're seeing the people that are trying to help, trying to make themselves better, trying to right. advance themselves. Right. So, you know, you can still go to some of these other gyms and, and feel like, wow, what are these guys doing over there? But overall, I think there's a much better awareness about how we look. Um, how we act, what we do on social media. Um, and, and so I have seen more people feel like, look, we're, we're, we're saving lives. We're changing the world. You know, you are, you're be proud of what you're doing because you are helping people. Like, for example, I was telling my, uh, my friend Ed, the kid I sold the gym to, I said, listen, you know, when you help a mom, he has like a fit mom challenge. When you help that mom, you're changing that whole household. You're not just changing that one person. You're changing the demeanor she has. You're changing her self-image so she feels better. She's treating her kids better. She's treating her husband better. She feels better about herself. She has more energy. You just, now maybe her husband's saying, man, I got to get to the gym too. Or maybe the kids are seeing a great example of so. So you're changing. You think you're just working with that person, but you're not. You're really, you're working with more than that, that person. We'll get back to the rest of the interview with Anthony Renna right after this quick message. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist working long hours, worrying about lower repayments and missing out on quality time with your family? You can double your income without working more hours by adding a gym to your practice. Clinic Gym Hybrid Solutions has a step-by-step guide that dramatically simplifies and speeds up the addition of a fitness center and its monthly recurring revenue. In just six months, you can be on your way to freedom. Visit clinicgymhybrid.com today for a free downloadable PDF and complimentary consultation to get you started. That's clinicgymhybrid.com. So we're talking about trends. Now, how about, um, can you shed some light on to maybe... Uh, the financial piece of some of these businesses, what you're seeing is like a reasonable, you know, rate to charge people. And, you know, what, what helps determine whether somebody can charge over a hundred dollars for a one-on-one or they're way down at $50 for a one-on-one session. Any insight there? I mean, look, you know, obviously I live in, I live in Westchester County, New York, which is a very like wealthy County. 
Um, so, That's how good Jim has done with Strength Coach TV. He's moved to a wealthy area off of just a YouTube channel and, and a small gym. And now he's basically retired and his, his butler will pick him up after this call. Yeah, but. I used to live in Canada, uh, way upstate by North Pole. And I made some money and I, you know, here I am in Westchester. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, I think, you know, you have to, number one, obviously, what's the market charging? Unfortunately, that is part of it, right? Because, you know, if you're going to try to charge X amount, and it's completely, but you don't only want to look at that. I think that's ridiculous, you know, but look, if you're doing what you should be doing and continuing your education and you're helping people as best as you can, if you really care about those people and you're going to help them on a lot of different levels, you have to understand your worth and how much this really is. And you know what? I love the saying, the more people pay, the more they pay attention. It is so true. 100% agree. 100% agree. And you have to, you can't charge 50 bucks. I don't care if you're, I don't care where you are. I'm not going to say any locations. I don't want to insult anybody, but I don't really care where you are, but you have to go uh, a lot higher than that. Um, $100 in this industry really should be the minimum. And then when you start to get a little bit higher, um, you know, that's obviously depending on what your experience is. What are, what are the other things that you're doing? Because the bottom line is, you know, uh, sometimes uh, you can, we can certainly get more. And that's why people are, are going to, to uh, semi-private, right? Over the last five years, semi-private training is because they understand that you can make more money, but you can help more people that way as well. Um, and so you have to kind of, you can't be charging $50 for three people each, right? So that's 150 for that hour and then go charge one-on-one, do a hundred bucks an hour. So it has to be uh, equal to what your, what your other uh, business venture looks like. Right. Um, so, but I, I think, you know, we're just, we undervalue ourselves. Uh, so you have to look at the market, but you also have to say, no, I'm better than that. I keep, I'm pushing myself. I'm going to continue in education. Somebody's got to pay for that. (laughs) Yeah. Can I say something real quick, Anthony? What I've noticed too, is a lot of people go, Oh, well, I can't charge that until I get better. Blah blah. blah. If you want to get on the fast track of making yourself a better coach or trainer, or even, you know, clinician, start charging more. So as soon as you jump from charging 85 an hour to I'm going to charge 150, the second you get your first client to pay you 150 an hour, there is nobody I've ever seen in my life that doesn't set about to earn, earn that money back at a increased pace. You can't ever replicate before you've charged that much. You know, if you're charging 50 bucks an hour and you think you're going to wait till you get good enough to charge 150, you have it backwards. It's not, you know, it's the chicken and the egg thing, man. Once you charge a high rate, once you look at that client and you say, hey, I'm going to charge you 150 bucks an hour and they agree to it, man, there is a switch that occurs that is one of the most powerful uh, agents of change I've ever seen. Have you seen that with some other folks? No, I agree a hundred percent. I don't even, never mind other folks, just myself. You know, I knew when I started saying, cause sometimes, you know, you say to yourself like, Hmm, I'm charging 150 bucks. And you're like, am I worth that? You know? And, um, and then you, then you start to say, well, I'm going to make myself worth it. You know, and you start to, you go the extra mile. I mean, you do other things. You make sure that they say, this guy is well worth the 150. So I think you're hundred percent right. Once you start doing that, you almost, you make yourself become that person. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for those of you saying that you're, you got to charge uh, something low because the, the, your area to, you know, dictates that. 
I'm going to tell you that you're going to do the exact same uh, on the other side of the spectrum, which is if you charge too low, you don't earn it. Like you, you get lazy. You don't, you know, stay up a little bit later to finish that program and you don't look at, you know, what are the best stretches for this person, best mobility drills for this specific client? Like at that $40 an hour level, man, there are a lot of bad coaches. You start to resent the clients too, I think, you know? Yeah. Cause it's just a train minute value. You're giving up an hour of your life and you got to be comfortable with what that's worth. So, all right, that's enough of Anthony and Josh's little motivational speaking <laughs> tour. <laughs> so going back, uh, you know, we're kind of wrapping, we're getting towards the end of our interview here, but any, any big advice you have for our clients, it's going to be their first foray into adding a gym. Uh, you know, they have probably most of them have a successful clinic. They're bumping some people through any advice you have for folks to uh, get started on this path. I mean, number one, like I was talking to you before, understand what your program looks like, what you want them to do when they get off that physical therapy table, right? Off the table, how does it look? Think about your logistics. That's number one. Number two, you know what? Ask your clients. Ask them, ask the people that they're gold. They're the ones that will tell you like, hey, what would you think if I did this? Or what do you think about that? Find out what the people that are already coming to you, what they feel, what they would like to see, some things they don't like. You have your own little group, your own little focus group right there. So think about your program. Also ask your clients. Um, What I really think people um, need to understand too is what's that um, we talked about this before. What do you want? What's the feeling that you want people to get when they walk into that room? So you want to make sure that you're not going to scare physical therapy clients away as well. Now you don't want to, you know, so you want to make sure you have a certain feeling and you want to follow that vision. You also want to make sure, um, that you have your open space where well, we talked about that before, but again, that's going to depend on what your, uh, what your, um, uh, uh, programming does look like. But I think, uh, you know, think about logistics, ask your clients, okay, well, you know, what is your program? What do they like? What do they not like? Um, you know, try to think as much about a possible as head. And one thing I, I always tell people, don't get what you want, get what you need. Because too many times we get caught up in our own workout or things we like, like, oh man, I love the, the, you know, I love kettlebells. We're going to get crazy on kettlebells and everyone's no, no, no. Get the things that you need, especially, you know, do a budget, no, understand what you want. Call somebody like perform better who will tell you, no, you know, don't get these. You don't need to worry about these. If you don't like, for example, I don't need the, the most durable med balls like uh, say Mike Boyle, Eric Cressy does because they're, they have young people throwing these balls super hard against the wall. The, the med balls that I'm using, I still use good ones, but I have older people, right? So they're not throwing it as hard as some of these young animals are. So that's what you want to think of. Who's your client? You don't always uh, think of what you need, not always what you want. Yeah, and I'll, I'll piggyback a couple of things that you said along the way. When you talked about open space, I think it's really beneficial. One of the reasons that people kind of overlook often is one of the easiest marketing strategies you can do when you add in a gym to your clinic is just have a weekly workshop, whether that's foam rolling or, and, and you're going to see that over a year's time, you'll go from, you know, one or two people showing up for that weekly thing to 
capping it off at 40 people. But if you can get 40 new people in the door every week at the same time to just learn, I mean, the basics of foam rolling, that is a perfect opportunity for marketing, you know? And that doesn't work if you have a bunch of space that's closed off or it's got racks everywhere. You want to have that nice big open space because it's going to be a classroom a lot of times, you know? Why not share that expertise? So there's that aspect. And then when you're talking about like, uh, you know, the equipment, I love this. I have a, there's a gym locally. And when they opened, I went in there, it was, had a bunch of bands, a few different dumbbells, and then two ski erg machines, you know, the concept two ski erg, yeah, yeah. which is like a very expensive, very specialized piece of equipment. I'm just like, oh man, you guys blew the bank on those two pieces. That was a dumb decision, you know, but I go, uh, hey, you like the ski erg and to your point, the the response was, oh man, I love that thing. That's my favorite piece of equipment. It's like, no shit, Sherlock. Like, <laughs> but you think, you think your clients really love it? So I agree with you uh, out there, Anthony. And Anthony, a couple, you mentioned Perform Better as one resource and we highly recommend them. I mean, Chris and, and the crew down there, they're good people and, you know, they have some of the best equipment. The other thing is, I'll, I'll give it to them. Like we've had some, you know, stuff breaks or whatever, and we'll call them up and they'll replace it free of charge or they'll help us out with shipping, things like that. So they're just the best company to use, but any other great resources out there? If you think people want, uh, for those who want to get started. Um, you know, I, I definitely, I mean, I don't have much more, obviously strength coach TV It's my show. I'm not even making any money on it, but go to strength coach TV and just watch some of these, uh, the way these gyms are set up because there's so many different kinds of gyms in there. So do your homework first, see what other people are doing. It really helps. Number two, especially watch the, the perform better episode, you know, cause yeah. they talk a lot about some of the mistakes that people make, but you know, and for- one thing, one thing on the, that line, when you watch this, you might see a gym. Cause I remember thinking this with Frank Nash's place and I, I respect the heck out of Frank. Like, I mean, he is a successful businessman. And when you, it's funny to see that very first version of Frank, uh, Frank Nash about what I don't know that six years ago, but when you saw his most recent gym or the most recent one you went into immediately, I had the thought that that's too young of a vibe because we were going after golfers. We were going after people in the fifties and sixties. And so I thought that's too young of a vibe. But when you watch strength coach TV, make sure you take notes of what is your first impression of this place. And then when you have all those notes, then you can really put together what you dream of, what you picture, because it's going to be different. And that's okay. You're going to see things you love and, and things you're going to like, I will absolutely not have that because it has to be your facility that goes along with your program and your core beliefs. So yeah. sorry to cut you off, buddy, but no, yeah. no, you're right. And that's, that's, and then, and again, you know, you said perform better. Here's the thing call perform better. They'll give you a free plan. Like when you tell them I have 3000 square feet, here's the, you know, when you go and get, show them the, the plan of the floor plan before you buy anything and say, look, and I have a $5,000 budget. They're going to be like, don't get this place because it's not going to work for you. you. You need more money um, or you need, you know, wow, you're, you, you're fine here with this. This is great. But, you know, they're a great resource from that. But also your current clients, like I said before, ask people because they're the people, they're the customer. They're the ones who are walking in. They might be like, what do you like about when you walk in? Like, what's the impression you got when you first walked in? They were like, well, I was a little intimidated. If they're going to start saying that, then you got to be like, wow, I got to chill. I got to like make this a little bit more inviting when people walk in. So you want to ask them, they're already there. They're at your fingertips. So something like Strength Coach TV, you know, is free. You can go and watch it on YouTube and see these other gyms. Your clients 
You're talking to them anyway. They're free. Perform Better has this whole plan and, and consultation that they'll do with you, with you, with your, uh, with your, the current facility that you're looking at. It's all free. So utilize those things for free before you get into and start writing checks. Yeah. And along the lines with, uh, you know, asking, asking your clients what they want. If you want to start your gym faster than, than you're comfortable, ask your clients, Hey, if I added a gym, you know, would you be interested? And I've had a lot of people that they start asking their clients and should I add a gym or not? And, and they're, you know, they get 25 people in the first week going, Oh, absolutely. I join right now. You know, that, that'll motivate you to get, get after and actually start on the plan of opening up a gym on your clinic. Cause I think you got a ton of people just sitting there. I mean, can you think of a gym owner, Anthony, that would not want to have, you know, a hundred people coming through every week that were told, Hey, you should work out here. Like, can you imagine that situation and not taking advantage of it? Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you another strategy. Sure. Uh, my buddy used this for people that are looking for a loan. If you're a physical therapist and you can get 20 people even to uh, write commitment letters like, hey, yeah, I'm going to sign up for, you know, uh, Josh's new gym, uh, you know, and it's a uh, $250 a month for his membership. If you can get commitment letters from him, I had a buddy that did that when he went to the bank, you know, here you are with, you know, X amount of revenue, depending on how many people you get um, that, you know, look, I already have minimum $5,000 a month coming in from committed from these people, plus my physical therapy, but 5,000 in my gym a month and the rent's going to be 2,000. So I'm already ahead of the game. That's where a bank will say, Hey, this is pretty good. All right. This is, I have a, there's a better chance of this guy, you know, making it. So he used it as a little, uh, uh, a hack for, uh, getting a loan. Yeah. And I think it's super smart because your, your clients too want to be part of that growth. They're excited for you. They want to see you succeed, you know? Good point. Good point. Yeah. All right. Well, as we uh, wind down, any final uh, life advice from the world's smartest man in Westchester County, uh, Anthony Renna, but what, what can you share with people about this journey? What have you learned? Um, I think, you know, look, a lot of the stuff that we've already talked about kind of know what you're getting into. Um, I think, you know, if you ever read the book E-Myth, right? Uh, we get in the E-Myth is the entrepreneurial myth. It's a book by Michael Gerber. And, you know, we get into this thinking, yeah, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to have my own business and I can do whatever I want. And it's really not like that. And also just because you're a good cook doesn't mean you should open a restaurant. So make sure that, you know, you understand what else is involved. And, you know, you already have the physical therapy practice, but you, you know, you want to make sure you know what else is involved in a gym and that will go. The marketing is going to be a lot different. Uh, there's a lot of different things that you have to truly um, understand. And, you know, look, it's, it's a grind, but I would say also get help, get, make sure that you start out the right way with either an assistant, if you don't have anybody and get another trainer in there. Um, you got to work on that piece of it because you don't want this to be about you. You want it to be about your business. There you go. That is great. Well, when it, when you get through the grind, Anthony, and you got it all set up and your systems are good and you're, you got great help. Is there a better business than seeing people come in and, you know, in a, they're all optimists, right? They're all having their best part of their best day when they come into a gym. I just think there's not a better business when it's running well. What do you think? 
So true. And, you know, it was fun. Like I, the one thing I miss about when I sold my gym is we had a putting green and we, I used to do a Saturday class. And uh, the one cool thing was after that Saturday class, we all, we had a putting contest and, you know, it was $20 a man and, and we would go in and, and, you know, we, we would play uh, eight holes. Uh, on the green and, and uh, we would do this whole thing. We had a, it was a big deal that we did it every week and we had a blast doing it. And um, the guys really look forward to, to it. And it didn't only, it wasn't just fun for that day. It created a sense of community um, and guys started to invite, you know, each other to their country clubs and, you know, without worrying about what I was doing. So, you know, you're creating community. And like you said, you're helping people get better. Um, you're helping their families get better and there truly is nothing better. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Anthony, I can't say thanks enough. Uh, it's really great to have you on and I would encourage everybody go watch strength coach TV, go to strengthcoachtv.com, Look up Anthony, what he's done. 43 gyms that he sat there and done the legwork for you. You know, if you want to develop your vision of what you want your gym to be, you know, he's already helped you out so much. So Anthony, thank you for all the work you've done. Thank you for taking the time with us today. And uh, with that, we just, man, I can't say thanks enough. Uh, any, any final words, thoughts? That's it, man. I just want to shout out to Jim Alberry. Um, <laughs> yeah, we beat him up a little bit earlier, but Jim, we love you, baby. Yeah. All right. Well, on behalf of Anthony Renna, Strength Coach TV, and me, Dr. Josh Satterley, saying, go out there, maximize your license, and live the life you dream of. Thanks, Anthony. All right. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're ready to double your profit without working longer hours, please visit clinicgymhybrid.com and find out how easy it is to get started on your path to freedom. That's clinicgymhybrid.com.